Well, hey there, guys. Welcome back to the Network Podcast, the best hair podcast in the world, coined by Mr. Owen McCarthy himself. <laughs> All right, so here we are. Um, it's me, your host, Lee, alone again. No, kidding. Uh, Owen did a solo cast last time. Now it's my turn to do a solo cast. It actually does feel really strange not to have anybody to bounce ideas off and, you know, backwards and forwards with the questioning. But look, I'm going to give it my best crack and you guys are going to have to listen to me ramble on. I don't have that silky Irish tone that Owen has, but that's fine. I've got some Southwest England farmyard tone. So um, (laughs) you can uh, all take that and take that right into your ear holes if you're watching on YouTube even better experience for you. Um, A lot of the stuff I'm going to be talking about today, much like Owen, is kind of just my learnings and findings over the last few months, I'd say. Some of the stuff I'm going to talk about is from sort of last year. Um, But I think it's very relevant moving forward uh, this year. Some things have been cropping up that I think need a lot of work personally. And I think it's important to share this stuff Much like Owen said, you know, it's important for us to share our truths and live in our truth um, if we're going to be of best value to this industry and to the world. It's important to sort of be in that truth and share it. So I think, yeah, a lot of what I'm going to talk about here, as you guys would have discovered from a lot of the things that we've been doing lately, we've been involved with Kerwin Ray and a lot of his teachings in the last few months sort of, yeah, from last year. We started doing some of his courses last year and it's been really cool. Like, I've known about him for a long time and to now be doing his courses, like, seeing where he's at is incredible. I think I first went to one of his courses back in, like, 2016 or 17 um, and, he, and to see the growth in that's mental. But anyway, he's taken us on an absolute roller coaster of a ride. Um, and last year, I'm not going to go through the whole story of how we got on to that because Owen kind of took you through that last time. But last year, yeah, we eventually ended up doing some work with the K2 Elite team, which is their kind of highest end um, coaching and mentoring group that you can be in and one of the perks that you get with that it costs it costs money to get in and one of the perks with that is um, you get like facilitation so business facilitation and we had a lady called Sharon come and see us shout out to Sharon uh, we've almost adopted her as our, our mother uh, on, on this side of the globe she had this really kind of motherly energy which was amazing for us um and so there were some stories you know we had to get a bit vulnerable and there were some things coming up we had to talk about our stories and you know she was asking us about pivotal moments is there a thing is there a moment in your life where you what you think might have made you the way that you are and you know it, it, that, that was good I'm, I'm open with that stuff like you know as you guys know I'd, I'd lay it all out on the table um, but what I learned was no matter how open you are your ego is still at play 
And partway through the day, there was something that came up for me. We started to talk about money and, and one of the exercises is to put in what, what we call like a big, a BHAG goal, which is this big, hairy, audacious goal. And it was outrageous. Like this, this number that we projected was just in the billions. Like it was, it was wild. And it's quite a, it's quite a cool, funny exercise, but it really smacks you in the face. Like this is my business, my company. And that could be me walking around one day with the bees in the bank, basically. Um, and there was just this mental feeling came over me, like of almost fear of that being me. And what I realized was it's that's my money story that I haven't got straight with myself. Um, and that is in, been ingrained in me from when I was a child. So I'll dig into that a little further. I've been big into investment and, you know, learning to do what to do with my money for many, many years. Uh, I've read countless books. I've got all the Robert Kiyosaki books and I've read loads of that stuff. But for some reason, I've never really got my money story straight with myself. And I guess no one's ever really taken me down that rabbit hole. And, but Sharon did this day and some weird things happened. I left the room for a moment, like not physically, but like mentally left the room. The guys were talking around me and it was almost like the whole room just went quiet around me and it was me and my ego. And this all happens in like split seconds. Like you, you literally, this all just, it's like a cinema roll just going mental in your head. Um, yeah, and this, and this fear came over me and, and within those few moments, I, I realized that the money story that I've developed from a, being a child will not serve me moving forward if I want to be this person that I want to be and need to be moving forward into these kinds of numbers that our company will make. Um, so that was a tough moment there and that brought on a load of other feelings as well. It's like, you know, I've always understood like the ego is built up of the stories that you've been told and the stories that you tell yourself throughout your whole life. That basically builds your ego. That's basically how we survive. It's a bunch of stories that were told from moment one. Um, so yeah, I had to dig into that a little bit and realizing that, look, you know, I come from working class England. My parents don't have a lot of money, which is fine. Not that they have a bad life. They just live a very humble, humble life. Um, but when you're talking in the billions of dollars, I have no framework on what to even do with that money. Like I have no idea. My money story does not even go that far. You know, my money story, I would imagine, you know, what's the biggest number of money I probably spoke about when I was a kid? A quarter of a million pounds, maybe. What a, what a house might have been worth, 250,000. Like that's probably the biggest figure that would ever float around in my head, a realistic figure, because I would have thought, well, I need to buy a house one day. So that's probably the figures that I need to think about. Um, never was there talk of, oh, you know, this is how you make that much money, or this is how you make some money and invest it to get more and more and more, um, to talk about 
you know, the, the millions and the tens of millions and the hundreds of millions and then into the billions, like, that was never a conversation and, and that made me realise, like, there's, there's limits to your story and the story, the money story that I had it's changed drastically in the last six months, but the money story that I had would have kept me in a box for a long, long time. And, it, and, and the money story that I had was designed for my parents in the life that they lead in the situations and the circumstances that they're in. Like, they're, they don't need a money story any bigger than that because... For one, I don't be- think they believe they'll ever need a different money story because, you know, if you tell my dad or my mum, all right, you're going to have a million dollars next year, they just wouldn't, they probably wouldn't even believe me to start with. Um, and even if they did get it, I don't think they'd know what to do with it. Um, sorry, mum and dad, if you're listening to this, but this is not a knock. This is just, you know, some hard truths that I've had to go through. Um, and if I want to go to these places to help me, to help you, um, to help everybody that I come into contact with. I have to change this story in my head. Um, so that's where it went, really. And realizing, again, like I said, this all happened in, in just a few moments. Flash, like, I had that whole story run down, download into my head. Realizing, wow, like, you know, I'm 30, 31 years old. Like, that's still the money story that I have. Um, which is crazy. And I've had a decent amount of money in the bank as well and didn't even really, like, occur to me that that could just keep going. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the big... Uh, a big pivotal moment for me last year was to get my money story right and to realise where it comes from and how limiting it can be. Because, um, look, I've got loads of work ethic. Um, I'm committed to my work and my purpose and my mission but that's only ever going to get me so far if I don't get my money story right and to really be able to handle when that success comes. Because you imagine if, like, you know, I'd, I'd do a big... Next week, I'd, I'd do a deal, and it's like, all right, here's a million dollars. You know, it might be a million-dollar deal. I'll, I might freak out and stuff the whole thing up. So I need to be able to change my story of, like, no, I am worthy of that. That does come to me. That is who I am, and I am a person that can have that much money, um, and I know what to do with it. I think those are the affirmations, and believe it and feel it, um, and I, I really do believe it and feel it now. So it's a powerful one, I think, uh, for a lot of you sort of listening at home. You know, really dig deep. What is your money story? What really is it? And uh, because you know, if you get that one day. And that money does come. You need to be ready because Robert Kiyosaki always says, you know, there is such a thing as too much money. And people always question him and say, what do you mean there's too much money? And he was like, well, give the the wrong amount of money to the wrong person and they'll they'll basically piss it up the wall. So uh, we've all heard of the person who won the lottery and, uh, you know, ends up with nothing 12 months later. So, yeah, um... These microphones are cool. Hey, I need to keep keep checking that it's still on because this is new for us. But it's going to be cool when we're mo- moving around. We're uh, moving around the country a lot this year. A bit more mobile, a bit more portable. And I'm loving the sound quality, actually. I was uh, editing Owen's podcast and uh, I was loving loving the sound quality. So 
let me know in the comments what you think of the uh, the setup. Thanks to uh, is it Jake Paul and you know those guys on the uh, that that podcast. We first saw them on there and I stole that idea, but that's fine. No ideas original. All ideas are stolen stolen from somewhere. And so let's fast forward a little bit. We uh, attended another Kerwin Ray show. So that, that was the first story. Really brilliant. Pivotal moment for me. Oh, a little, something else that actually happened as well. Touching on the ego. I'm not finished with that story. I'm not done, okay? Listen, you need to listen more. <laughs> um, something else that happened was... I feel like my ego was trying to protect me. So we have this process of like debriefing in our, in our company and, and, you know, Owen and I as, as friends and business partners, we, we debrief moments or things that might happen. And I said to him, I was like, mate, I really want to like unpack this and debrief this at the end of the day. I've got something to talk to you. If, if you've got like the capacity, I'd love to talk this, talk to you about this because something quite profound has just happened and I wanted to dig deeper and uh, do you know, for the life of me, I got to the end of the day and do you know, I couldn't remember what it was. How weird is that? Like, uh, I, it's crystal clear to me now what happened, you know, six months later. But at the end of that day, I could not recall the details of what I wanted to talk to him about, the whole money story thing. And I think that was my ego protected me. My ego realized that I was going into a danger danger zone with my emotions and my feelings. And yeah, I think it was doing a really good job of trying to not let me go there. And I've learned that about myself as well. Like my mind and my ego will let me unpack it slowly in the coming weeks and months. I remember there was a point like three weeks after that, it just started to come back to me in like flashes and then I started to unpack it more. And then now the story's like super clear. So it's, it just comes back to me in pieces, which is strange. And I think it is my ego just really trying to just stop, stop it happening because I am the great suppressor of emotions. Uh, that's something, again, another story that I was told as a kid and my ego is my nervous system and my ego and personality has really taken that on. And uh, yeah, I can suppress emotions really well. Like most men out there from my generation and generations <laughs> before that, we're really, really good at suppressing emotions, which is not good, which, um, you know, Owen touched on a lot about in the last podcast. And I've seen firsthand what happens to you when you suppress emotions for too long and it, it suddenly comes to the surface. And uh, all I can say is it's like an exorcism. I'm not even joking. It's like a purge. If it, uh, it wasn't nice, but I feel like it was a privilege to see. I was the only one with Owen when he was going through those moments of like deep, deep realizations, a deep unraveling of the ego. And uh, yeah, it was like a purge, honestly. Like he couldn't move. It was like crippled from head to toe. And there was just something in me, though, that knew that this had to happen. I was just kept saying to him, it's okay, trust it, go with it. You know, I almost believed that this this just has to happen for him. Um, which could have been really irresponsible, really. He could have been really bad. He could have been really sick or something, you know. But, you know, <laughs> being the woo-woo hippies that we are, we believed that it was the purge, it was the exorcism. So that happened. Um... 
And that, that leads me on to the, the importance of having someone around you that can be that person. You know, I watched the thing of Peter Crone the other day. Peter Crone is unbelievable, by the way. If, if anybody's looking for some great mindset advice, check out Peter Crone. Um, C-R-O-N-E, I'm pretty sure it is. And, um, you know, he said most humans, you know, he didn't even say men. He said most humans do not have a safe space to talk. Now, that really hit me because I believe that. And this, this will lead on really nicely to my next point. But I, I believe that, you know, rarely in my life. And again, this, this kind of makes me feel a bit emotional, but rarely in my life have I felt safe enough to talk about my feelings. So like I say, you know, I might be able to suppress them really well, but that's for a reason you know, something would have happened in my, you know, fundamental foundational psychology, let's call it, you know, when I was growing up. From years that I can't even remember, you know, zero to seven, I wouldn't even remember when this stuff was formed, but something would have happened there, which told me that it was unsafe to do that. And to find that safety again in the world is not only hard, but it's rare. It's hard to let yourself go there, but it's rare to find those places. Um, So that's really important. And, you know, I'm trying to be that person for as many people as I can be. But in particular, that day, it was important to be that for Owen. And there's been a few times after that, too, where, you know, some emotions have risen. And I've just, you know, encouraged him to live in it and sit in it and be in it and feel it. And it's all fine, you know, something I've really struggled with over my whole life is judgment. And to find a a truly judgment-free zone to feel safe in, very hard. So if I can, if that's all I can be for someone, then, you know, I feel like that's very powerful. And the growth that you see from people when they they are in that judgment, truly judgment-free zone, just letting someone be unbelievable you just almost see them unravel as as a human and become who they are and something that I was talking about the other day we, we'd gone on about these words personal development personal development personal development we used personal development like we've got somewhere to go like what it, we're developing to something I actually don't think we are I, th- I think it's like a personal unraveling we'd need to keep just peeling off the layers and getting back to a point of, of being where we are in touch again and we're a little more carefree, more like, more like a child, you know? Um, maybe not so much like a child. A child doesn't have rational thought, but, uh, you know, having rational thought, but being a bit freer, being a bit more, being able to move freely and make noise freely and f- show emotion and feel emotion freely and, and say the things you want to say and... and that would be a really nice place to get to. Anyway, that's a rabbit hole. But like Peter Crone said, you know, feeling that true safety. Um, and yeah, something, I can't remember what the next story was now that I was going to talk about. Um, it happened at, oh yeah, that was it. The ego, we were talking about the ego, weren't we? Um, feeling safe and, you know, so back to the ego the ego is built built up of the stories you've been told over your life it's a stack of stories and moments and I think those stories influence the stories you tell yourself that's where I'm kind of at with it 
And to undo some of them is so hard, so hard. Like, I like to think I'm reasonable at that compared to the average Joe. But even then, you know, I've been saying to Owen a lot lately, I'm like, I'm going to need some help in a minute. Getting to those next levels, I'm going to need some help to dig because my ego just won't let me go there. Um, So that's a tough one. So let's fast forward a few months. Um, When was it? February? February? Yeah, I think February or March. No, February. Nail it and scale it uh, in Kingscliff, New South Wales. It just happened to be where the floods were. When the floods started on the East Coast here in Australia, uh, we were there for the start. Fortunately, we, we didn't get flooded in or they didn't hit us too much. But all, all around us, it was pretty crazy. All the roads in and out were blocked. Um, anyway, that's not the point of the story. <laughs> I think it just added to the energy that day. It was a funny energy. We were, we were there and Kerwin started talking a lot about the ego and he said something that really hit me. And again, this, this might make me feel emotional, but um, I'm good at suppressing it, so uh, I'll do that. <laughs> he, he was talking about how he's not good at making friends. And this is something I don't talk to a lot of people about, but I don't think I'm good at making friends either. I've had a lot of friends in my life. I've got some great friends, some dear friends from youngsters, from being a, being a young guy um, that I actually still talk to today and treasure them a lot. You know, I think something about friends, even close family like brothers, you know, I've got three brothers and they are, they're, they're a part of the reason of why you are the way you are. You know, they're a part of your story, the stories that you were told and the stories that you build around yourself. So, you know, there are some people that I hold really closely to my heart, but making new friends now, I find, is really hard. Um, and I think Kerwin finally unraveled something in there for me. That was a, a, a truth and a hard truth to handle. I, I, I used to think, I still do think, a lot of people just annoy me. Sorry, but if you're around me, I'm, and, and it's not because I think people are dickheads. I'm very sensitive to energy. I'm a Virgo and I'm super sensitive to energy, people's energy. I had to learn to control it about five or six years ago because it was just overtaking me. Like I can sit in a room and I can like, if someone, I don't even need to look, be looking at someone, there's someone over the other side of the room. I can like feel their energy if it's affecting me. It, It's mental, call it superpower. I don't, I don't call it superpower, but... Um, yeah, I got to learn to control that, and I learned to control that, which is fantastic. But but that, I think that that is one of the reason things that stops me from making that initial connection with people is if I feel the vibe is weird, and and you know I've had that in a lot of experiences, and I, I wait and I wait and I wait and I go deeper, and I might wait till the next time I meet you, and even the next time that I meet you, and just to go past them layers, and maybe that's layers of judgment. I don't know. Maybe that's my ego trying to protect me on so many levels. Anyway, he, that, that, that's the first reason, energetically, I'm a bit sensitive, and I'm a sensitive little man, <laughs> um, but that's fine. I've actually been uh, accused of being judgmental as well in situations, in social situations. I'll be, I'm quite quiet in social situations, um, 
and but uh, it's 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 like being the observer and, and there's a whole other story to that I might dig into that in a minute but anyway so if I'm quite in a social situation with you guys it's not because I don't like you it's because I'm I'm the observer um and it, ultimately it's to wait to try and help that's something I feel like it's in my archetype to the helper um whether that's tied to my ego or not I'm trying still trying to work that one out but anyway energetically I'm a bit sensitive so that stops me from making or limits me, I feel, from making that initial connection. Whereas I, I find, I see other people, boy, they can be best friends with somebody within a matter of minutes, you know? I'm like, whoa, how did that happen? Um, and they're like social butterflies, you know? I've got friends like that. One of my good friends, Callum, he's an absolute social butterfly. And I just feel like he just could break past that energetic barrier instantly. He's just, he's friends with anybody, easy to talk to, everybody loves him, great. Um, but something that Kerwin brought up as well, which was where the tough truth came in for me, was there's a part of my ego, I think, that is afraid of abandonment and being alone and not being acknowledged. And that's a very subconscious thing. On a conscious level, I know that I know that's silly. Up here... I know that's silly, but in here, I think it's a different story. And again, I think that story is ingrained from before I can remember that that foundational, fundamental psychology from a kid. And that really brought that to the forefront. And I think that's really true about me. I think I do. I don't get close to people because number one energetically I might feel something and number two then that might lead on but I think well what's the point you know and I think but that's deep down the fear my soul or my ego is so afraid the little boy in me is so afraid of of not being acknowledged not being wanted not being loved being abandoned um that sounds pretty deep and like, whoa, Lee, like, what, what do you mean? No one's going to abandon you. No, I, I don't mean that. I mean, there's such a thing as like a called attachment theory. And I, I feel like I have an avoidant attachment theory. Um, if there's any psychologists out there, please correct me if I'm wrong. But um, yeah, it's, it's called an avoidant attach, attachment theory and, and attachment style. Sorry. And I think that's me. And, and so I think all these things tied together, which stopped me making friends. And, and it is the part of my ego that's so afraid of the abandonment, not of not being loved, of not fitting in, of not having acknowledgement. It's the little boy in me that was crying out for that. And again, sorry, mum and dad, if you listen to this, but it, it, it does mean that somewhere in my childhood that there would have been a moment or moments that my brain believed that I wasn't of value in those some of those moments or wasn't loved um, and I would have tried to get it in other ways which then formed my avoidant attachment style which turned me into a people pleaser and a high achiever and a, and a hard worker and now 31 years later a workaholic um, which it all ties together and look this whole story can sound indulgent like I'm going through the pity and the woe story I'm really not this has been many 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 years of unraveling this and I'm finally getting to grips the deep layers of why really why I am the way I am I think it's important to voice it 
and speak about it and when I voice it I hear it back on myself and I can start to build this kind of not necessarily answers but frameworks to deal with it and get out of it and I think it's important for you guys to hear this because someone might hear this in a way you know you might have heard 50 other people talk about this but maybe I say it and it hits with you um because this is important stuff to dig through and I feel like this is stuff that you know especially in our industry in the hair industry this is not spoken about much at all and it's it's important and it helps you to understand you and the more you understand you the more you can understand others and once you understand others more I feel like you can be of more value and live on purpose more so so getting back to my indulgent story <laughs> um yeah there's a part of my ego that's so afraid and, and and what that will do how that looks and translates is I realize I always say to people like you know, when people come to me and they say, oh, I didn't like school and I didn't get along with people at school and I was bullied at school. That was never me. I never got that. I never got bullied. Or when people would say stuff, but that's just life, isn't it? You know, you can't go your whole life and someone not saying something about you. I mean, what a bloody privilege. How, <laughs> I, I can't remember who said it. Was it Ricky Gervais? He was like, how privileged do you think you are or, or you should be going through life and no one ever saying anything wrong or bad to you he was like that's life man so anyway that's school that was life someone's gonna say something to you but I never felt like I was bullied or you know I had a good time at school but was that me was that my ego deep down knew that uh to be to not be in pain to be acknowledged and to not have the fear of abandonment did I have to be the chameleon a little bit and get along with these people and that people? Because I did. I got along with everybody. I got along with all the, all the groups. You know, when I was at school in the UK, for everyone in the UK listening, you know, there were the chavs. I got on with the chavs. There were the, you know, the, the goths. I got on with the goths. You know, I was one of the emo kids. I, I got along with those guys. You know, I got along with the guys who were into sports. I got along with the guys, the, 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 the smart kids, you know, I got along with everybody. And maybe that was just my ego being a bit of a chameleon and just fitting in everywhere. But that really was, it didn't want to show its dark sides. Like there was a part of that, that I, even now when I think about it, yeah, I don't want to show my shadow side. I don't want to show my bad sides. I don't want to show my dark sides. When I say that, it's just, you know, not like I'm evil. It's like just the things, the, the detrimental qualities or the qualities that might come out in me, from me, that might then put me in a position of, of non-acknowledgement or non-love or something like that, which deep down my, on a soul level, on an ego level, the kid in me is petrified of that. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's deep, deep work I need to do there. I need to dig into those levels and, and, you know, get to a point where I'm not afraid to show my shadow self anymore, work on my shadow self, work on the darker sides of me. Um, and, and Kerwin puts it great. He's like, it's only like showing people the shiny side of the trophy. <laughs> you know, there's always the side of the trophy that you haven't cleaned and you haven't dusted. You only polished the front bit. Is like, that's, that's like him. And I feel like that's like me. I walk around and I only ever want to show the shiny side of the trophy. Um, you don't need to know all the other shit and people don't need to see that of me. 
again, consciously, I know up here, that's stupid. I help people with that all the time. And I can relate that back to the, the salon environment, you know. When I'm in the barbershop or the, or the hair salon, I'm constantly, constantly, that's what I spend my time doing, is helping people realize that they are enough. When you're in my chair, I am not judging you. From the moment you walk in the door, I ain't going to judge you. I'm sorry. If you're looking for me to judge you on how you look, on your hair, what should I do, blah, 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 it ain't going to come from a place of judgment, my friend. It's just not because I know that that does not help me. And I don't think it helps many people um, because of the fear of abandonment, the fear of not being loved and fitting in and all that kind of stuff and not being acknowledged. But to, to, to do that on yourself just is so hard, you know, and it's really hard. So anyway, I've got layers to dig through in that. Um, and that, yeah, that trickles into salon life. And I think if you can understand that about people and, you know, I'm understanding that about myself and helping people with that. And uh, yeah, so that story kind of fizzled out there, but that's that's where that was going. If it felt indulgent, kind of was felt nice to talk about that this is the other thing it, it does feel good to get this stuff out but something that I've learned as well and my good friend Jack Morton uh I don't know if he knows that I took it personally but I I did and I, I wanted to take this personally when when I got into the fame team this year um this is something that I could talk about here or maybe we'll save that for another pod but the podcast uh the, the fame team this year you know, there's a presentation side to it, and one of the one of the things that was brought up was about not when you're talking about yourself or your stories, not making them too indulgent. And I feel like I can make them a little bit indulgent. And what he means by that is just making it about you, just living in the gluttony of talking about your story. And uh, I really like that what Jack said. You know, I, I never take anything that Jack says too harshly. He can say some things that some people would find harsh, but deep down I know it's coming from a really nice, loving place in the heart and, um, you know, ultimately to help. And, and that's why I say a lot of the things I do and I can handle those things. And that was one of the big things that he said is like, I, one of the things that I've learned from him is like, try not to make your story too indulgent or seem too indulgent. And even if you do and it becomes a little negative, always put try and put a positive spin on it and that's a really cool point of storytelling and helping people through storytelling is it can be as dark as you want it to be but try and bring a positive out the other side and that's what I try to do here today is like you know take on this journey of my learnings and findings over the last six months but pulling myself out the other side and and taking you guys out that other side and realizing that you know, there's power in these stories and why are they important and why is it important to go through these? It's because ultimately I believe that we can all be of more value and live on purpose a little bit more and leave this place a little better than we found it if we do that work. Um, and that's only a positive for me because guys, honestly, like I'm only 31, but this next generation coming through, like I'm assuming a lot of the people here listening are in a place of leadership, you might have, you know, younger guys working around you, or you might own your own shops or businesses or whatever, but we are in a place of leadership, I have embodied the role of leadership, I've just had to, and uh, that comes with great responsibility, um, 
you know, we just need to be there for these younger generations coming through. So it's important to do this work because, man, they need a lot of help. Like they're different. They're built different to us. That's not a dig. That's a challenge for us to, to rise to the plate, rise to the challenge and adjust our leadership style and really help them through this freaking turbulent time. I believe it's a turbulent time. But like Paul Check says, you know, with great chaos comes great change. And uh, I feel like we're in a time of chaos, but we're, we're on the on the brink of great change. And that keeps me positive. That keeps me optimistic. Do I believe there's some chaos to come? Absolutely. <laughs> we're not done. Um, it could get a lot worse before it gets better. But I'm positive. I'm optimistic because I think with the guidance of our generation and chats like this and this podcast and all podcasts like this, having these talks and uh, this development, this type of development can can help and I think build a better future for everybody. So um, how deep are we? We're about 40 minutes deep. Look, I was going to talk about Fame Team a bit, but don't think I'm going to. I think I'm going to save that for another podcast um, <clears throat> because I just got shit to do, guys. <laughs> I'm a busy dude. I got shit to do. I'm currently here in Area Studio. Um, I left this podcast at the last minute, but you know what? That's how I like to roll. Uh, Owen doesn't know I know this, but he was chatting to somebody about me and he said, I'm addicted to struggle. I think I am. I am addicted to struggle. Um, I like it. I perform well. I, this is a, a well-known thing about me. I perform the best under time restraints. You know, if you want give me a task or a goal, give me a fucking time to finish it because I'll get it done. If you leave it open-ended, I won't get it done. I'll just keep... My to-do list is massive and it will just creep its way down the to-do list. So anyway, I, I feel like I put myself in those situations. So I've left this podcast at the last minute. But I think they work the best. I've just dribbled this out off top, like haven't... Didn't plan this much at all. I just woke up this morning and thought these are stories I'm going to talk about. Um, but yeah, I'm here at the studio. Um, the guys aren't here yet. The studio's not open yet. They'll be arriving soon. Um, we're off to Adelaide today. Um, it is our very first Reconnect event this year. This Reconnect is our fundraiser event. So we, the, the aim, what we wanted to do each year is get around to every state in Australia. When we do education, we thought, how cool would it be to put on a fundraiser event the first night we're there? And let's call it the Reconnect event because it was born in the pandemic we felt like people were disconnected we felt we need felt like we needed to reconnect everybody so that's what we're doing tonight is our very first uh reconnect event for the year i think it's the first one yeah it's um adelaide so look out adelaide we're coming for you adelaide's got a really special place in my heart it's the first destination i landed in in australia so 11 years ago i came to australia and I landed in Adelaide, so it always feels uh, quite nostalgic when I go back. It really, the memories start flooding back. So uh, it's, it's, it's a beautiful place, actually. I've got some great friends there. And just, you know, aesthetically as well, what a stunning, stunning place. Uh, Adelaide gets a bad rap, but uh, it, I think it's just a stunning, stunning place. So really excited to get back there for a few days. Uh, we're hanging out with the guys at Attaboy. Um, they're hosting us. Shout out to Tom. Uh, and all the guys at Attavoy, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we couldn't do this without having the venues that we have uh, all around Australia. 
Um, thank you to all of the guest artists. I'm so pumped to see what everybody does. That's one of my favorite things about this as well. I get to watch everybody else do their work and, you know, it's not about me, it's about them. And I like to push the light onto them and push the focus on them so everybody could have their moment. Cause so many people have done that for me over the years. And, um, I think it's time for me to do that for other people and, and, you know, open those doors and they might only be small doors, but, um, look, I'll do what I can, you know? Um, thanks to, and, and then we have all of our sponsors, big thanks to all of the sponsors. Um, motion are going to be giving away a product to every person who walks through that door. There's a big competition on, you can win some shoes, you can win some clothing, pretty cool. Uh, Slick Gorilla are doing a big giveaway pack so shout out to them thank you to those guys and Matt from Barber Brands for organising everything uh, with those guys you've been you've been a godsend um, and yeah so we couldn't do that without all those guys thanks to everybody getting on board and organising that oh, uh, Owen Biftu and I we were all heading there uh, later today, um, we have a flight, so that's going to be fun. We've had, I feel like I've been on and off planes a lot this year. Uh, so racking up the air miles. Um, I actually just became recently a frequent flyer member. So getting some velocity points, which Owen's been on at me for about six months to do that. And uh, he was in flying to Sydney the other week and he sent me a picture. He was in the lounge. He was in the VIP lounge and I thought, this motherfucker, I've got to get these points. So anyway, signed up, became a member, got my points. So uh, that's it. I'm going to join him in the lounge now. So uh, moving up in the world, there's there's benefits to this stuff. Um, Yeah, so that's what's happening. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Hope you all enjoyed me rambling on. I hope there was a nugget, some knowledge bombs or truth bombs that you uh, learnt or re- something that resonated with you, hit you in the heart or hit you in the head, uh, whichever way, uh, feel it, move with it, be with it and uh, learn from it. Um, if you loved it, give us a thumbs up in the uh, on YouTube. If you liked it and you're listening to it on Apple or Spotify, give us loads of stars, as many stars as they'll give you and maybe leave us a, a lovely comment as well. It all helps. It helps to us to push us higher in the podcast rankings. Not that we're probably anywhere in the podcast rankings right now, but but it helps. That's that's the that's the goal with this stuff is to push it there. Um, and look, it just lets us know that we're we're doing a, a good job, and you guys want to keep hearing this stuff because because look, if we get to a day where you guys don't want to listen to this anymore, then we just won't do it. That's the end of the story. But right now, I feel like this is valuable. This is purposeful for me. Um, and Owen and uh, I feel like you guys want to hear this and I really feel like as a collective in our industry in our world right now uh, we need it we need to talk about this stuff Um, 